2: And welcome to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.uscision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than ten thousand times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now here's your host Maureen Kettis.
0: Just when I feel like I understand PR, I get a guest that uh, is so intellectual. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna need my notepad out. Um, And, you know, we get very um, sort of, uh, in the United States especially, we get very sort of centric towards the U.S., like the U.S. is the center of the world. And uh, most of my clients are, are, are nationals. But, of course, I've had, I just finished an account with Tesco out of the U.K. and a medical device company. And we had to, their interest, of course, was, PR here, but my guest today is an international guy. So he's founder and editor of the Journal of Marketing and Communications, oh sorry, the Journal of Marketing Communications, and he serves on the advisory board or review board for 10 academic journals from Europe to the Asia-Pacific region, and he served as chair of strategic marketing at Hull University Business School in the UK, and his international resume includes visiting professorships at universities in France, Malaysia, Italy, Colombia, Greece, Norway, and New Zealand, and he's written or co-authored 12 books and presented papers on marketing management or marketing communications at conferences in more than 25 countries. Welcome to the show, Philip Kitchen.
3: Thank you very much, Maureen. It's good to be on the show today.
0: (laughs) And you're calling in from Canada.
3: I'm calling in from Canada, yes. Lovely, lovely.
0: And are you there on uh, international business or Pleasure.
3: No, I'm actually here because I've taken up the post of Dean of the Faculty at the Business School.
0: Lovely. Here at
3: Brock University, which is in St. Catharines, Canada.
0: Lovely, lovely, lovely. So so let's get just, I want to get a little background on you first, like sort of where you started, how you got started in this industry, and right. um, what your future goals are. So just give us a little story.
3: Okay. Um, I really got started in, in public relations when I was... Um, I'd always been involved in communications. My, my early background was in sort of management of retail stores. Mm-hmm. Around about 1983-84, um, I became interested in, in marketing communications, the way in which consumers responded to, for example, advertisements on primetime television, what was happening during commercial breaks and that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But Later on, I started to, uh, to come across the concept of public relations. I was really interested in the way in which public relations worked at the corporate level.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: So I carried out, for example, this this was for part of my PhD. Mm -hmm. I carried out um, 10 in-depth interviews with multinational companies with headquarters in the UK. Mm -hmm. Then I did a secondary questionnaire-based study with members of the Institute of Public Relations in the UK. Mm -hmm. And lastly, I did a sort of cluster questionnaire which went down at a multi-level inside those um, original marketing organizations. And what was interesting back then was the way in which public relations was expanding and diversifying at the corporate level, and the way in which it was also being used as a marketing tool alongside other things like advertising, sales promotion, direct marketing, uh, which were the dominant three tools being used at that particular point in time. Mm -hmm. When I first started to write about, for example, the marketing side of public relations, I think I was seen as a little bit of an upstart in the, in the public relations profession.
0: <laughs> because why?
3: Well, I think there was, there was a sort of an antipathy towards marketing was seen to, be, um, seen to be taking the lion's share of budget at that point in time all around the world. Mm-hmm. There was a terrific emphasis on advertising as the main tool to communicate and persuade mm-hmm. consumers and keep them on board. I think that public relations was just seen as something else which was separate from it was another functional tool which could either be, in my view, it could be used at the corporate level or at the marketing level. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was really seen as a type of, um, for marketing, it was seen as marketing imperialism. And um, sorry, for, sorry, let me correct that. From the PR mm-hmm. side, it was seen as a form of marketing imperialism.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And from the, um, from the other side, it was just seen as um, something marketeers could use Mm-hmm. to help them build market share in their customer groups.
0: So was it hard for you to convince corporations that they needed someone like you?
3: Well, it wasn't so much a matter of convincing them. It was just, it was, back then, it was just a research project to discover what they were actually doing in public relations terms. Mm-hmm. Obviously, since then, I've done research and consultancy with small businesses, medium businesses, and large businesses. But my focus back then, and probably still is to some degree, is an academic focus mm-hmm. with the occasional foray into the cons- world of consultancy and, of course, presenting at uh, public relations conferences here and there.
0: And, and of course, you know, we talk about this all the time in the show, but, but um, new media has really changed our field dramatically.
4: Right.
0: And um, so now I think, I'm, I'm not sure your take on it, but I would assume that corporations understand this instant feedback and this... Um, you know, the instant reputation and
4: the
0: way that you can sway public opinion immediately. Are you finding there's a lot of interest in that or are people still leaning towards more traditional?
3: Well, I I look at it, it's it's, it's the same thing you're saying, really. What I'm thinking about, really, is the the consumer, the customer, Mm -hmm. that seeks channel providers to fulfill their desired path. Mm -hmm. what What I mean by that is, it's not the way the organization wants to communicate with its customers and consumers or prospects or targets that's important, but the way in which those customers and consumers and targets want to be communicated with that's important. So instead of the company saying, what well, well, the way we're going to communicate is, for example, and then come up with a whole host of functional tools, which might be seen as rather traditional in nature, the question is, who are our customers? What do they buy? When do they buy? What do they consume? When do they consume it? What media do they read? What technology do they have? It's it's the other way around. It's the consumers who are in control of the communication process and not necessarily the marketing organization.
0: So a lot of uh, uh, your work or the work of PR people then is to analyze and uh, guide based on what consumers are feeling.
3: Based based upon what target, it's not, it's not the entirety of the market because every company, every corporation, is potentially in a in a unique market situation.
1: Mm-hmm. So what
3: they're really striving to understand and to keep tabs on is the dynamics of their own marketplace.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And the if the dynamics of their marketplace are changing, and of course the company has to change to make sure that they maintain that contact with the. What is, for them, the lifeblood of their organization and the lifeblood of, of course, customers and consumers.
0: So what is the, the current global spending on all forms of marketing and corporate communications?
3: Oh, no, you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting... I, I, I actually tackled this question a, a few years ago, and I came up with a, a very rough estimate, and I can't remember all the sources that I, that I had at that particular point in time. But the figure I arrived at was about $700 billion Seven hundred billion dollars worldwide.
0: Wow! So and
3: that's you a know, lot of money. So somebody after can. A, some, so somebody
0: can afford to hire me. <laughs> well,
3: somebody can afford to hire. But when you say one company yeah. like Microsoft, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
3: their average spend per year is getting into into that kind of. Is getting and you're into, not
0: talking advertising.
3: We're not talking just advertising. No, this is advertising. Sales promotion, direct marketing, internet communications, public relations, marketing, uh, PR, Okay, so
0: the whole plus, kit and caboodle.
3: Yeah, you can You can get at the advertising figures mm-hmm. per country, but it's very, very difficult to break it down to each of the functional elements within, for example. Yeah, and
0: because also because not only are there, they all overlap, but then each company has its own ideas, structures, and, and protocol, and it's very difficult right. to completely analyze. I, I tell clients a lot of time, I'm not sure you're of this school, but you can spend lots of money analyzing figures mm-hmm. <laughs> and analyzing your results, or you can spend lots of money trying to get results. And um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if corporate America is so uh, keen on. I know that they appreciate PR, but I'm not sure they're they're so keen on uh, you know uh, analyzing as as they used to be.
3: Well, that is the downside to it all, for, um, for a variety of reasons there's some elements of communication where it's relatively easy to measure the out, the, the return on investment, for example direct marketing, right. personal selling and so forth. But when we start to move into the field of sponsorship and marketing, mm-hmm. public relations mm-hmm. and advertising, for example, we know that it works. But the question is which which parts of it are working or why are those parts working and other parts not mm-hmm. working?
0: Well there I mean there are firms that, you know, just do nothing but um, you know, mathematical equations trying to trying to measure the net, you know the ROI on a PR campaign. <laughs> it seems to me like the money would be better spent. Just keep moving towards the you know the future and building. But, yes, but uh,
3: I think I think that's like the whole what, what you're asking there is really is the holy grail question really. No? Oh,
0: it is. Wow, well, I'm good.
3: but well, you are <laughs> good. The holy grail is really in search of an absolute measurement of the effectiveness of all forms of of communication.
4: Yeah. Well,
3: yeah. we haven't arrived at that stage yet. My my perception is that when companies and distributors and um, and media vehicles, Mm -hmm. et cetera, all start to work together. And of course, the distributors, like Mm -hmm. retailers, Mm -hmm. start to work together. And we can start to see some accurate measurement at the moment.
4: Right.
0: I mean, it, it all it all it's sort of like a like a wheel that turns I mean from a, from a consumer standpoint, you, you can say to a consumer, well, why did you shop at this store?" And they might say, "Well, I heard it on the radio, I saw an ad. Um, I, oh, I was a previous customer Oh, we're getting the music. My God. Okay. All right, when we come back, we have a lot I have a lot more questions for my guest, Philip Kitchen, Dr. Philip Kitchen to you. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors
2: What is whole person healing via body, via mind, and via spirit? It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices worldwide whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustam Roy, a noted material scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern. 9am pacific on the voice america health and wellness channel
4: you want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business how they hire and develop top talent how do they retain top employees and customers Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideals and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up-and-coming leaders as well as establish leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage. Every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
4: Welcome
0: back again. I'm on with my very modest guest. He's a, a doctor of our, of our industry. Um, his name is Phil Kitchen, and he's the former editor, founder and editor of the Journal of Marketing, Communica- and Marketing Communications. I keep trying to put an and in there. And he serves on the advisory board um, or review board for 10 academic journals in Europe and Asia Pacific. Welcome back again, Phil Kitchen. Thank you. So we've determined now that our industry is worth $700 billion. I feel, I'm feeling well, better about well, my career why? choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so le- this is a question that I always have. What percentage does PR take or should take in company budgets? I have a pat thing I always tell my clients. 5% of your gross uh, oh. you know, income should be going to marketing and PR. But uh, what do you say?
3: Well, I- I'm not sure about, uh, I, I know the lion, the lion's share of um, marketing communications budgets goes in the direction of what could be called the traditional areas of advertising, sales promotion, direct mail, interactive. But um, over the past, probably over the past decade really, mm-hmm. advertising has sort of stabilized um, in several major nations, around about 40% of spend. Uh, sales promotion is is I think it's 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 increasing but it's increasing slowly. The second fastest growing area in the field of communications is that of brand public relations and sponsorship no?
4: is, It's growing on average by uh-huh.
3: probably about um i would say five percent every every three or four years no? nice. the fastest growing area at the moment of course is interactive marketing, but that may well include public relations as well huh. No?
0: And what do you when you say interactive marketing? Can you explain it?
3: Yes, I mean that all forms of electronic online communication, mm-hmm. um, increasingly as directed by the what I said before, customers and consumers in their consumption of media right. needs.
0: Right. And the good thing about that industry in terms of ROI, mm-hmm. if you are as an ad person, is that's because it's electronic, mm-hmm. very easy to measure.
3: It's easy to measure click-through rates. It's not yeah. quite so easy to measure <laughs> what those click-through rates actually mean in relation to consumption related right.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. I think. I think. I mean, my take on it all is that that companies, in a way, you know, I know they're always so focused on the bottom line and big corporations, but it's in, in, in in this area, they have to kind of let it go a little bit and, and trust in the the universe. <laughs> I sound like a, I sound like a typical Californian. They have to trust in the process. Um, that getting the word out in general is going to help over time.
3: I think, I think that, that is probably true. Um, the, the difficult thing always is to establish the relationship between what could be called input and output. You know? mm-hmm. We can see what we're doing in terms of the, the messages that are being communicated. We can also see the extent to which they're being consumed or consumers are participating in consumption of those mm-hmm. messages. What we don't see is the direct causal relationship between all those activities and what consumers actually do, because no? mm-hmm. there could be other un- intervening variables which which lead them toward other consumption-related decisions. But you're right; right. the more we communicate, and the more and the, and the better we communicate, the more effective um, the outcomes will be. Right. But precisely why that happens has uh, yet to be determined. But it does work. No?
0: And- and, and what part of, you know, sort of the, the success of the company, the profit percentages and, you know, the economy affect that? Because I've found my experience has been when the companies are doing well and it's it's easier for us to, 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 to spend more on a PR campaign. Therefore, the PR campaign does better. The company gets more out of it. They keep growing. Everybody's happy, and they're not so focused on trying to measure ROI. Mm. But when things aren't going well... Yeah, what's your take on, the, on
3: that? Well, my, my my perception is that when things aren't going well, we really need to look very, very closely to see what the relationship is between what we're doing and the way in which our marketplace is responding. And I often use the analogy that many companies should be looking out of the window rather than into a mirror. Yeah? Yes. Sometimes we see, for example, companies continuing to do what they do. For, and you mentioned it before that sometimes a company will put a certain percentage of sales into, into, for example, communication. Mm-hmm. But what happens if sales are going downhill? Right. What, what that type of approach is really saying is that, that, um, that we invest in our communications and consumers are expected to respond.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Turning that on its head, what we should be saying is we're investing in our consumers and then we can see the type of response that will result from that There's a difference.
0: Right. Are you seeing any evidence of, of budgetary change in different countries, different nations?
3: I am seeing some evidence of that, yes. Um, I, I, th- I thought about a study uh, that, that is it's now about four, four, years, four or five years old, which was carried out at the London Business School. Mm-hmm. And that looked at um, uh, six, six major nations around the world. Uh, the USA was one, the UK was another, France, Germany, China, Brazil... Mm-hmm. and they were looking at marketing, marketing expenditure changes.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: by and large, those, it was quite interesting to, to read this study. Um, I can't give you the website address because we're on the radio, but if you check it out at the Marketing Expenditure Trends Survey on okay. London Business School, it just indicates that the trends by and large are remarkably uniform across those nation-states. Mm. So there is media advertising has stabilized uh, at around 40% of spend Sales promotion is probably about 21% of spend. Brand PR sponsorship is 15%. Direct mail, 14%. Interactive, about 8%. But within those areas, the two areas that are showing the greatest growth are interactive and brand PR stroke sponsorship.
0: Right. And explain the, the brand PR through sponsorship.
3: Well, brand PR is all forms of public relations... Um, activity related to specific brands, either corporate or individual brands. So we're talking about the big corporation versus the individual brands in the corporation. Mm -hmm. Sponsorship is a sponsorship by the company of specific activities, either sports-related or arts-related, which in turn lead toward creating, if you like, a a strong relational image or reputation for the company or organization. But that's not the be-all and end-all of brand PR. They usually are lumped together into one category,
4: no? right,
0: right, yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the the hard part is 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 uh, guiding uh, clients into, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have had this problem, into uh, branding in such a way that it fits with the c- corporate culture, because it can really backfire. If you know, if, if you were like a Pampers diaper company and you decided to sponsor a sports car, it could be. A, <laughs> <laughs> that, could be, that could lead to all kinds of problems.
3: Well, it is that too. Where you, you do find examples of all <laughs> types of relationships here and there, but um, I, I guess it's, it's whatever fits with with the organisation, and fits with the their marketplace, and of course, constituencies or publics that they're seeking to build relationships with. No?
0: Yes, absolutely. So I, I have I, you sent me some questions, and they're you know it, it's so professorial like. <laughs> so, but I'm gonna—I love it because um, a lot of times guests send me questions and I can't ask them. But so this is a really basic question, and I'm gonna shoot it right back to you since you wrote it. How is PR defined, and what value do these definitions offer? How does it work in reality?
3: Okay. Well, I, well, I think public relations is all is is all about building relationships of trust uh, with particular constituencies. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, somebody, once, somebody once said that um, public relations can be defined as strategic management of relational communications. No?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And by relational communications, I mean that organizations are trying to build relationships of trust, reliance, consideration, if you like, loyalty mm-hmm. among various constituencies. But that relationship idea mm-hmm. can also be carried out at the marketing level.
0: Can I add one thing that, that has been a common theme in my show, because I interview a lot of PR experts, Okay. and that's the w- word authenticity. The authenticity uh, of the message now, especially with new media more than ever, well, is, the, is that consumers can instantly smell a, a, a hard sell. So the authentic message also is part of that, I think.
3: Well, I, I like the word authenticity. and it's, um, it, may be, it, may be, it may well be a word. Now, you've mentioned it to me that I can use in future research studies.
0: Okay, then I get some, don't I get some uh, royalties on one of these books?
3: Well, you probably do. I, can, <laughs> I, I am going to mention your name in relation to that. <laughs> I was talking to a lady the other day who gave me an idea, and I said, I hope you realize you'll be quoted from this point. <laughs> as <laughs> Just as long as people tune into the conference. radio
0: show, I'll be fine. <laughs> so, you know, what do these definitions offer, and how do they work in reality?
3: Well, I think I think the definitions really say that um, if we talk about um, relational communications, for example. First of all, we can look at that from a corporate perspective, and we could say that. Well, we, 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 I do say that corporations have to build relationships of trust with various constituencies. For example, mm-hmm. they've got to build relationships of trust with the with the media, with the financial markets, with the with the union markets, mm-hmm. with the environmental constituencies that surround their organisation, and the, the list goes on and on and on. But in addition to that, the the when we bring you down to the level of the individual brand, those individual brands have to create uh, feelings of trust, reliability, confidence, expectation, delivery. I'm not going to use your word, but it sounds a bit like authenticity.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> but all
3: those things apply at the individual brand level as well.
1: Right.
4: But, I,
3: but I think if we, if we start to say public relations is marketing and marketing is public relations, that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Marketing is charged with the responsibility to create exchanges.
1: Mm-hmm. Public
3: relations is charged with the responsibility to build relationships. They're Say that again, because
0: ad- that was a great quote.
3: Okay. Marketing is responsible for the, to create exchanges.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Public relations is responsible for is responsible for creating relationships and sustaining those relationships over time.
0: I love that.
3: So, I'm so it's that. Marketing. I feel yeah.
0: that and then I can give you some royalties?
3: <laughs> well, I keep waiting for these checks to arrive. I do? I feel a bit Oh, like you discovered
0: the world of publishing, did you? <laughs> you,
3: you didn't buy, buy your, your yacht, yacht yet, yet
4: huh?
0: huh? That's funny. And so, so how does this all work in reality? And we only have 30 seconds till break. Oh, oh he's cutting us off now? Oh, Justin no. Jackman, my God. All right, well, that's my engineer. He's giving us the music, which means... And my nephew wrote that song, by the way. Okay. Um, we are uh, going to take a break. We'll be right back.
2: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network.
0: Welcome back again to PR Insider. I'm on with my uh, guest, Philip Kitchen, uh, who's the founder and editor of Journal of Marketing Communications. He's calling us from Toronto, where he's doing a visiting professorship at what university?
3: Brock University.
0: Brock University. Wonderful. And what is your class called?
3: Um, well, in actual fact, I'm not a visiting professor. I'm, a, I'm the dean of faculty of the of the business school.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Uh, and- and so what did I'm, you but um, I'm also
3: a professor of marketing in the faculty as well. Huh?
0: Ah, so you're not actually teaching any courses, but you're overseeing the whole department.
3: That's right, yes. But I do some teaching elsewhere as well. and I get invited to give occasionally addresses here, there, and everywhere.
0: So you're communicating all the time.
3: <laughs> well, I've, I, recently I've been to Colombia, did some communication there. I was in France about um, seven days ago, and I'm going to Italy Oh. on Tuesday no?
0: can we exchange lives for uh, like a couple weeks
3: <laughs> well no, what happens is it's usually do you like usually... children <laughs> I like children <laughs> I, I usually so
0: let's talk work. about um, integrated communications um, okay. what does the movement toward integrated, integrated communications mean in marketing and in corporate
1: communications
3: ok um, basically what it means is that every element of communications um, let's look at it first of all at the marketing level should be saying the same thing in essence.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, for example, it's like people singing in a choir where the voices are coordinated together. You know
1: mm-hmm.
3: the um, they, they must make this a sound that sounds attractive, wholesome, attractive to uh, the target audience, whoever that might be. But it's quite possible to do to carry out that what I call an integration of emotional mix elements inside the organisation. But I would say that's The problem with that is it's almost like um, an inside-out mentality. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You can do it inside the organization, but the actual activity of communications doesn't take place inside the organization. It takes place outside.
4: Uh
3: My my advice to companies in in relation to communications at the marketing level is always to start where their market is.
0: Yes, Um, the low-hanging fruit we call that.
3: That's right. You start out there. With your customers and consumers and what they want, what they need, what they see, what they hear, and so on and so forth, and that's what I call the outside-in approach to marketing communications. Don't don't start inside, start outside. No?
0: Right. And new media plays into that very much, so.
3: Absolutely they, right. you're, yeah, you're
0: absolutely. getting your you're getting instant feedback from consumers in a way that has never been seen before, and in consumer groups and bloggers and people can influence buying trends very dramatically. So you have to be very careful with every uh, consumer.
3: Yeah, yeah, I thought about that in in an interesting way. Well, I don't know if it is an interesting way. It might not be that interesting. But I thought at one time, people who consume media were were receivers of information. Does that make sense?
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And one could say they were like passive, fairly passive recipients of messages. I, I think the Internet and electronic communications has changed all that. Now we find that consumers are publishers, they're broadcasters, they're opinion leaders, they're sharers with each mm-hmm. other and with companies, they're researchers, they're advocators, they're voters. In other words, the, the whole idea of communications has been reversed. It's not They're no longer passive receivers. Mm-hmm. They're now transmitting marketing messages back to the marketing organization. Right.
0: Well, we say on, on the show a lot, another theme that's come up is, you know, everybody's a journalist and everybody's an advertiser because you could send... An email to a friend saying, you know, I tried this wine and it's terrible. Right. I saw it advertised and it's the worst. And mm-hmm. then that could go out and suddenly it's, it gets picked up by a blogger and then it, it could affect a whole market.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. The, you know, it's, it's such an important point to make. But the, the other important point to make is that this type of activity where, the, where communications is really turned on its head and is being transmitted by consumers back to market, marketeers, if you like.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's the first time this has ever happened in the history of the human race.
1: <laughs>
3: it's never happened Well,
0: before. come on, maybe back in the cave there was like a smoke oh. signal and the smoke signal was sent back. I mean, maybe <laughs> there could have been something. Okay. So I, just that,
3: a, I just had an image then of a Neanderthal tapping <laughs> into, 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 into Skype. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Well, I think Jay Leno, who's a talk show host in the U.S., I mean, he had a... He had a a, co- a contest wants to see who is, who is faster, two kids that are really the fastest texters of the U.S. versus uh, these old guys that did Morse code. Mm. And guess what? Morse code won. <laughs> yeah. Getting the message trans- transmitted via Morse code was faster. So who knows? There could have been some smoke signal. That, But you're saying, okay, so I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. Couldn't help I think,
3: you. I think the other thing to emphasize that is that I was reading a paper the other day. I can't remember who wrote it or It was really about um, the Internet. And I was talking about that many people who are older are really economic migra- are migrants to the internet. You know?
1: economic in words, they've l- migrants. They've learned
3: uh-huh. how to use it. They're in- internet migrants.
1: Correct. But
3: the people, the youngsters growing up with the internet that's, that's already there, mm-hmm. are not are not migrants. They're they're citizens of the internet.
0: Yeah, their brains work in a totally different way. My girlfriend, I just saw her kid was. Uh-huh. She's got a two year old was uh, teething on the on her iPhone. Uh-huh. I mean, they're really literally teething on the, on these gadgets. That they're just—they have no fear, and they're—I think their their learning is, you know, works in a different way. The way they yeah. learn from paper is is, uh, you know, the whole classroom my, is now my, on. my computer. my
3: my children are the same. And my kids are twenty seven, twenty six, mm-hmm. and they know things about the internet and how to use it. That I, they they seem to play with it really. They play with it and uh, and they learn by right. playing, whereas I learn by studying. <laughs>
0: Right, right, right. It's a, good, it's a good way to look at it, too. They look at it as a toy as opposed to how we look at it. That's right, yeah. So um, what major trends underpin the growth in communications, in your opinion?
3: Well now we're talking. Um, I, th- I think the first thing is, is absolutely vital to, to the marketing discipline, and that's to really try, in a, in a situation, for example, that we have now around the world of, of, of just coming out of perhaps the world the world's worst recession since 1929.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's important for companies to research their customers of all kinds and sizes, their wants, their needs, their desires, mm-hmm. their brand loyalties. And that ties into a point that I made earlier on, which is really adopting what I what I consider as an outside-in approach to communications. Don't start outside, mm-hmm. don't start inside. I think the third point really is... is You can't really do that in-house anymore. One time, if you went inside, for example, a multinational corporation like Unilever or Procter & Gamble or Mm -hmm. General Motors, you'd find specialists who are functionally um, orientated, for example, specialists in advertising or specialists in public relations. Mm -hmm. I think now there's a greater need for those companies to start to look outside for those skills and talents. and That means that, of course, agency services fill the gaps political right. communication and measurement gaps. Right. I think the other thing that, I won't mention all the points, but there's another point that I would mention, and that is at one time, if we looked at the national market like the USA, like Canada, like Germany, there used to be national companies competing head-to-head in a sort of thirst for market share, for sales, for growth, for profits, and so forth. If we start to look around the world now, it's multinational corporations that are competing head-to-head. In a global marketplace, no, right, and that—that's the difficulty. And well, in a sense, we're all citizens of the world, right. But in that world, that world is increasingly interconnected by means by electronic means, which means right. And I
0: think that—that's even why citizen journalists, no? citizen hyphen journalists, are more important than ever. And I think uh, yeah. some co- cor- corporations are forward-thinking and. See, see why that is so important. And then, I would say that the most most of them. And I and I I'm a blogger for AOL. I blog at um, BeverlyHills.Patch.com, um, which is a, uh, a owned by AOL. But they, you know, AOL at least pays. But there, there's a lot of companies that you, you see advertisements. They're looking for bloggers. They want it want it for free, mm. and they should put a huge value on because that can be a huge. If you have like a mommy blogger, mm. and she's uh, talking about your product. Let's say it's Procter and Gamble, like you said. She can influence the whole market. And one mother did, based yeah. on a, there was a like a baby carrier that some company was coming out with, and she made these, and they had a negative ad, and the mother blogged about it, and the sales went in the tank.
3: Well, I think that, that's that's the risk and the danger in today's world. But yeah. I, I remember reading something years ago by a, a management theorist called Peter Drucker, and he said, the company that keeps on doing what it's doing now will fail. Well, mm-hmm. And it's and it's true that you can't keep on doing the same things over and over and over again and expect and expect uh, market share sales etc to remain the same.
1: Right.
4: Because all
3: the time, the market's changing.
1: Right.
4: The
3: competition is changing. Everything's changing. and The world is characterized by ongoing, continuous change. Correct. You I have think, to be um,
0: flexible and on your toes.
3: That's right. Yeah.
0: It's a, it's a lot. I mean, I think the days you know in the old days you could you could kind of relax into status quo and. Run your successful company and just kind of keep things going, but now it's such a fast pace, and you have to you have to listen to shows like this so you can keep <laughs> learning and changing <laughs> and well, staying that's, on that's, your toes.
3: Just on the thing about the the old days, it was it, the internet is a relatively recent phenomenon. Yeah. You know? Face Facebook, for example, which is um, something that, that uh, I have an interest in. Um, it, it, it was only five years ago. Um, In July 2010, Mm -hmm. it claims 500 million unique users. We're estimating that by 2015, there'll be over 2 billion people of unique users just on online social networks. That's a third of the population of the earth. (laughs)
4: It's ridiculous.
3: (laughs) When you you think about it, there's more and more people going online, and and increasingly as people... The, people, the, the countries that are leading this are countries like China, like India, right. like Pakistan, right, like right. Brazil. Whereas the old traditional, more traditional countries are struggling, really.
0: Right, right. And it's just a, if not, and Twitter. I mean, I just read a, a huge article in the New York Times about Twitter and the the CEO, the young, this young guy, like he's in his 30s, and he's now stepping down and brought in the, the big CEO, this former COO to be the CEO because the guy knows what he's doing more than. He's an idea guy, you know, but it's it, Twitter's also, you know, mm. taking over so. Well, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to have more with Phil Kitchen. We're going to talk about sort of the future of PR and the recession and what's happening in the world today. We'll be back in a minute) in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard
2: Time. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
0: Thanks for staying tuned in. Again, I'm on with Phil Kitchen. I love your name, by the way. You should have been a chef. Um, (laughs) He's the founder and editor of Journal of Marketing Communications, a professor, and he's written 12 books, and um, I'm learning a lot, so this is great. Um, Okay, so let's get back to our discussion. So which companies, in your mind, are most admired for their marketing and corporate communication skills?
3: Well, I think think about companies... um um, like, uh, I think that Coca-Cola are very good at their corporate and marketing communications. I think companies like uh, McDonald Corporation, mm-hmm. I think about organizations like Google, mm-hmm. I think about Microsoft, uh, particularly, who have been very effective um, at developing uh, what they describe as integrated marketing communications. And they do manage more than a billion dollars a year in terms of marketing expenditure. Wow, um, there are just there are just so many examples of good companies out there. Well, and give course, me an you, a, give
0: me a reason why um, let's let's say um, McDonald's. I've interviewed McDonald's, as one of their people. I think
3: I think it's because first of all, it, it's, it's slightly easier with McDonald's simply because they are the, when they communicate about any of their individual uh, elements of, of uh, their service provision, they're also communicating about McDonald's corporation. I think they're very good at communicating what McDonald's is, what it stands for, the role it plays within society, and also they talk about um, their various levels of activity in various community initiatives. In other words, they're giving something back. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article, um, well, it was a good few years ago now, by a guy called Theodore Levitt, who is regarded as one of the fathers of marketing. Mm-hmm. He published an article in the Harvard Business Review. He said, businesses should be making money. Yeah? not sweet music
4: <laughs>
3: and I think that um, businesses are in the business of, of making money they are in the business of creating sales and of course generating profitability mm-hmm. but also they have these days it's not just the brands that they sell that are important but also the way in which they interact with the community
1: mm-hmm.
3: and that community can be national in scope and scale, it can be international, it can be global They've got to stand for something in relation to their, in relation to their community. But Going this is back, in
0: in B to C companies, business you know, business to consumer. This is in a B to B. Does it have to be so much, or or B to B? Are they in the same position? I mean, because I know a lot of these movements of giving back and environmental stuff are are pushed by the consumers wanting that.
3: I think I think in B to B, it's also important that. Um, Businesses with whom they do businesses right know that that each other are involved in in various community related initiatives
4: right but because the the, e- the
0: supply chain is you know being watched very closely by activists and um,
1: consumers
3: absolutely right yeah mm-hmm. and um, there, there is really no escape if if a business itself doesn't communicate,
1: mm-hmm.
3: then somebody else will communicate on its behalf and I was interested recently in the u k. I was trying to track down some information on BT, which stands for British Telecom, which is mm-hmm. the, the dominant telecommunications provider.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think I, re- I reached about 187 websites on the Internet. Wow. And I finally got through to the official website. It was number 29. You know?
4: oh, yeah.
3: But the, the other thing to note about B2B and B2C is the distribution of the what I call the marketing communication mix in those firms varies significantly. Mm-hmm. So if... Um, Cotler, Philip Cotler over at Northwestern, the Kellogg School of Management was saying that a few years, well back in the 1960s, 70 percent of the promotional budget went in the direction of advertising with 30 percent going to the rest. Now it's 70 percent going to the rest and 30 percent to advertising. But that's not true when we look at it in a business to business context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In business to business, media advertising the business-to-business, business is still is at thirty percent. That's true. So it's in line with Kotler, but in business-to-consumer, it's still fifty percent. Wow! So the lion's share of communication in business-to-business-to-consumer organisations is still going in the direction of consumer marketing. Right. Can I can I just revisit something I said in the earlier part of the show? Yes, of course. Um, A few years ago, Don Schultz and I wrote a book called uh, Communicating Globally, an Integrated Marketing Approach.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And that was all about, by and large, individual brands. And when we got to the end of that book, I said to Don, we're missing something here, Don. I think what we're missing is the idea of the corporation communicating to various constituencies. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough for the individual brand communications to take place. The organization itself has to be a communicator. Okay. And so we wrote a second book. And I'm not trying to promote my books. These are old books. now. it doesn't matter about them. But <laughs> so that was called raising, raising the Corporate Umbrella, which is this idea of raising a protective, nurturing device held by the chief executive officer, which then uses various mechanisms to communicate and build relationships with constituencies. No?
0: Right. And by constituencies, you mean
3: what? The financial markets, the the labour markets, Mm -hmm. the the government the government interactions, any anything which is not for example, another example, is the uh, the whole idea about corporate uh, communications or public relations at that level, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: is to allow the company to keep on functioning, preferably with with as minimum amount of government restraint and legislation as possible. And that means you've, you've got to build relationships of trust with all those other varied constituencies. Mm-hmm. And that's just not on a national level. It's on an international level. So I remember Diageo a few years ago were talking about the need to, make, to create a level for playing field in Japan for Johnny Walker Scotch Whiskey, for example, uh-huh. where, the, where the indigenous brands were sold at significantly lower prices because they, but then the imports, for example, Johnny Walker were paying significant import duties. Their brand was always far higher in price, right? Than the indigenous um, than the indigenous brands, right? And that meant that what the task of um, of uh, Diageo there was really to try and create a level playing field, no?
0: Right, or a, a, a desire to have that you know culture
3: yeah, and some, sometimes big big companies can pay can pay lip service to public relations, no? yeah. They really can. I, I once saw a two billion a uh, pound-a-year company in the U.K. be taken over. At the time of their takeover, immediately prior to that, they had I think had one person working for them in public relations with a part-time assistant. No?
0: Well, I interviewed um, McDonald's on another show I do called On Paper Series. It's an environmental thing, and, and, oh. and they were, I was interviewing their top of their uh, environmental outreach, and I think the whole McDonald's corporation has like six people dedicated to their environmental outreach. So, I don't know how effective that's, that's just, the to, <laughs> that's just so in relation to
3: environmental outreach.
0: Right, exactly. So just before we close the show, where do you see the future of PR in, in 20 seconds or less?
3: 20 seconds, I, <laughs> the way I see it is going upwards. So um, oh, I think that PR has tremendous amounts to give. I see a, a huge contribution taking place at the, the corporate level, and I see another huge corp, uh, contribution taking place at the marketing level, or what I've termed on your show, marketing public relations. So.
0: I love that. I love that. I'm very hopeful too and I think it's t- it's evolved into more of a field than it even was when I got started in it because of all the new media stuff. It's just great. Well, that's all the time we have left today and I want to thank my wonderful guest, Dr. Phil Kitchen and um, also John Missel, my executive producer, and Justin Jackman, the wonderful engineer. This is your host, Maureen Kettis. Have a great week. Don't forget, relate to your public whoever they may be.
2: Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week.